Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight. It's Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. These chapters, Matthew 5, uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, Matthew chapter 7, are all known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we'll see as the Lord leads. But we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 5 and the first uh, 12 verses, which are known as the Beatitudes. And uh, we, we just take an introduction tonight to this time and just ask the Lord's leading, the Lord's help uh, over these weeks, just as we turn <clears throat> to the word of the Lord. It's about uh, six or seven months ago when the Lord put uh, these messages just on my heart and they've been there for some time. I feel led of the Lord. I believe the Lord's confirmed it also. Uh, Brother Nicky was sure and that he was praying that the Lord would uh, just put these messages on on my heart and then I just believe the Lord's confirmed it, that this is the time just to turn uh, to these chapters. And we do pray, it. we're not looking for just dry knowledge, we're looking at, to be quickened to us. And, and the Lord will bring something very fresh in the revelation of his word to your hearts at this time. So Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 1 uh, through to verse 12. Amen. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Just in these uh, few verses as we look at them over uh, the weeks to come, just as an introduction tonight, uh, would you... Just follow through with me. We'll not so much get to these verses tonight, but I believe it's important. The Lord has just laid a, a foundation for us tonight before we turn uh, to the teachings of the Lord. But in Matthew chapter 18, so just follow us through with me tonight. Matthew chapter 18, why it's important that we turn to the teachings of the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. If you turn over there. These are the words of Jesus before the ascension, Matthew chapter 28. And we see the importance why it is that we turn to his teachings or the doctrine of Christ. The word doctrine means the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
verse 20, he said these words, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. His instruction here before he left, of course, was the great commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but also that we would teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You'll find here in these few chapters, in Matthew chapter 5, these are the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's four things I want to cover tonight that are crucial before we get to the the actual verses and the sermon itself. But there are four things that are very important for us uh, to understand tonight as we come to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the first one is the word planted. And this is really important as we come. I can learn everything about the teachings of Christ. But if I, first of all, have not been planted and understand what that means and that there's a resource or a source that is running through me as an individual, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That resource is the Holy Spirit bringing the person of Christ and everything of who he is, what he is, the power and the life and the attributes and the fruit, the flow through this life. We must understand, first of all, that we're planted now. It's very simple what that means. That word planted straight away will certainly bring some pictures into your mind. But in the scriptures, there are two words in the Old Testament, two Hebrew words. One of them simply means that we would understand it to plant. And the second one means to transplant. And we have been transplanted. We've been taken out of one kingdom and we have been transplanted through the new birth into another kingdom. And so this is important for us to understand when we come to the teachings of Christ. I can learn everything about what that scripture says and the instructions of the Lord. But if it's not coming from the source that is Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, then it's simply known as religion. It's simply known as a a Pharisaical life. There's an outward attempt to live according to the word of the Lord and the teachings of Christ, but it's not coming from the life or the source and the reality of the Holy Spirit. So very simply, if, if we, we have at the bottom of our garden a wee apple tree, and it was Brian Woodall, we got it from him, and it was a seed, and it was planted, and that apple trees come up, and now we get the leaves and the flowers, and then we get apples. So An apple seed will bring forth apples. I know this is really simple, but an orange tree, an orange seed, what's it going to bring? It's going to bring oranges. You're still with me. And so if a Christian has been transplanted, a man or a woman is transplanted, translated, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his own dear son, you have been transplanted into God's kingdom. And the resource or the source for our life is not in ourselves. It comes from the Holy Ghost. And he brings everything of the person of Christ. He brings, what will the Holy Spirit bring? What will that river bring? It will bring life. It will bring power. It will bring the attributes of Jesus, the reality of the person of Jesus. And as we live and move in the Spirit of God, by the faith of God, and we walk in that life, then what is the most important thing above everything else 
outside of the life and the power and the attributes, we'll see the character or the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. So individually and corporately, when people come in, what they should be impacted by is the sense and the reality that these people have been with Jesus, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this word planted tonight uh, as a first, and we'll just turn to John chapter 15 and verse 5, and we want to see this is the source. So we, we, are, we are trusting in the source to live this life for Christ and to live according to his word and his teachings it must be life. It cannot be death. It cannot be a religious outward experience. We must begin and understand that we are transplanted into the kingdom of God and our source is Jesus. In John 15, Jesus said these words, John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So I want to stop there. In this, in being transplanted into the kingdom, we see that Jesus instructs us that the source, he's the source, we're the branches, he's the vine, he that abideth in me and I in him, here's the purpose of Christ for our lives, that every one of us are fruitful. In John 15 and 8, it says, Herein is the Father glorified that we bear, what? Much fruit. So the desire and the purpose of God is that we would bring forth fruit. That's the Spirit of God, the work in our lives, to bring forth the character and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the next statement brings us all to the same place. For without me, you can do nothing. So it's impossible. In order, what I'm bringing this to you for is when we come to the life that Christ wants us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and when we read the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, no, it is right to say that we are no longer under the law. That's the Old Testament. We are under grace. When you read the, the instructions and the commandments of the Lord in these few chapters here, brothers and sisters, we can't live this without the source. That's Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Impossible to live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know that we have been saved, we're born again, and we're transplanted. Jesus said here, without me, you can do nothing. If a man, verse 6, John 15 and 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So... So we, we understand what the Lord's saying very clearly. It's very simple. He's the vine. He's the source. We're the branches. We abide in him and he in us. The same, this is, what, this is what the Lord said, the same will bring forth fruit. That's the purpose of God, that there's fruit in our lives. But if we do not, then simply we are just like a branch that is withered. Men would gather it and is burned in the fire. So we're starting at the base level tonight to understand that we must be planted. That is simply, you must be born again of the Spirit of God. 
And the source is all the same. So everyone that's saved in this house tonight, everyone that's born again of the Spirit of God, everyone that's been transplanted into the kingdom of God, the same person and the same fruit should be evident in their lives. It's the same Jesus. It's not a different Jesus. It's the same character of Christ that should be seen in our lives. That's what we're all being conformed into. That's the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's her desire. The wee chorus says, I want to live the way he wants me to live. That's the desire of every believer. We want to be like him and we need him to do that. But we are planted into this kingdom. Now, some verses that I want to look at, Psalm chapter 92 and verse 13, to see here the importance of being planted and then the purpose of God in that and the resource, that's the Holy Spirit bringing everything of the reality of Jesus and working through our lives as we are conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So we're planted. So our source, our source is all the same. It's through the river. That's, G that's the Holy Spirit bringing the reality of Christ into our lives. Now, when we're planted, look at this, Psalm 92, verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. God wants every believer to flourish. Every one of us, the purpose of God, that we would all flourish in the things of God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. It doesn't die off as we physically get older. But this inward man is renewed day by day. And so as we get older, maybe in the natural, but even in their old age, it says they shall be fat and flourishing. Say praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not talking about the natural here, but praise the Lord. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to be fat spiritually and bring forth much fruit. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. That's you tonight. That's me, friend. Every one of us, when we're saved, it's the purpose of God that we would bring forth a hundredfold. That's the potential that we all have in Christ to bring forth that fullness of the Lord. So when we're planted, it tells us we flourish and we'll be fruitful even in our old age. We don't want to get sour. We don't want to grow bitter. We don't want to grow old and, and decrepit. In the inner man, we're renewed every day. That source, that life is ever the same. To bring forth that fat and flourishing believer. We want to flourish in the house of the Lord. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 17 and verse 8. These, were, these words here planted in the Hebrew. Remember, they mean to be transplanted. And that's important. Every other meaning is just to be planted somewhere, to plant something. But this is something that has been lifted out of one and brought into another. But Ezekiel 17 and verse 8 tells us there, it was planted, Ezekiel 17 and 8. I'll give you a minute to get there. Ezekiel 17 and verse 8. Ezekiel 17 and 8. It was planted in a good soil. Now look what it says. By great waters. And friends, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. I believe that's the Holy Ghost. Every one of us were planted in good soil. Now, I know there's the parable of the sower. But I'm trusting tonight that everyone that's saved in this room would be planted by good, in good soil and by great waters. 
There's a river here and it's vast. There, there, you, can, you measure this and then you get right out in the waters that you can swim in. That's the Holy Spirit. There's an endless resource in Christ tonight. There's an endless resource in the Holy Spirit. But we have been planted by great waters that it might bring forth branches and that it might, here's the purpose of God for all of our lives. What does it say? That it might bear fruit, that it might be a goodly vine. And so as individuals and as the gathering of God's people, it's the purpose of God that we're planted in the house of the Lord, we're planted in good soil, and we're beside great waters. And in those great waters is all, everything of what we need for life. That's the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that that vine would bring forth fruit, and it would be a goodly vine. So we're looking at that pure river to flow through us. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, you know this psalm very well. But again, we see this principle of being planted. Psalm chapter 1, and, and we'll read this psalm here, 1, 3 to 6. But this is, a, this is a wonderful psalm. Psalm 1 and 1 tells us, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, here's, here's some things of our decisions that we need to make. We have a responsibility here. We have a responsibility. All the resource that we need for this life is in the Holy Ghost and has been accomplished in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Everything of what we need, the potential for every one of us to fulfill everything of the purpose of God and to be fruitful to the glory of the Father. All the potential is there in every life. And we want surely to reach the fullness of that potential, the fullness of Christ. Well, here it says, here's the blessed man or the blessed woman. They walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. You've got to make a choice. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. What is that law? That's God's word. That's the Bible. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate both day and both night. Now here's a promise. Here's a promise. And he or she shall be like a tree. What are they? They're planted. They're planted. Where are they? By the rivers of water. Here's the life. Here's the potential. Here's everything of the purpose of God that he bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also shall not wither and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Look at verse 3 again. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth his fruit in his season. We're following this principle of being planted. I'm going to labor it just a wee bit more if you don't mind. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 6. 
in verse 4, we see again that in this new birth we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. And this is very important for us, for the life of Christ and for the purposes of God. Romans 6 and verse 4. Just following this theme of being planted. Romans 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. This is going to lead us on to the second part of what we're looking at tonight, these four important areas. But we are planted in the new birth when you were transplanted taken out of the kingdom of darkness, brought in supernaturally by the power of God into the kingdom of his dear son, and you were planted in good soil by great waters, the rivers of water. We were planted in the likeness of his death. What has to happen to a seed? A seed has to die, must die. This is the key for a fruitful life. This is the key to walk in the fullness of the instructions and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we run forward and run into the teachings of Christ and say, well, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, and we don't understand the law and the principle of God. How in the kingdom that death and resurrection, we heard it so beautifully given to us on Sunday. There's a death to self, but there is a life that comes. There's a resurrection life. As we decrease, so he increases. We know that we have been planted together. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's a death and there's a resurrection. And so it's that life of the Lord Jesus Christ and understanding that not only are we planted, and this leads us on to this second point, we have to understand there's a death to self. There's a death to the old life. If we try to live this just in our own flesh, I want to tell you, friends, it's, it's obnoxious. It's just man. It's just our own religious efforts. It's what the world called religion. And I'm sure most of us have been on the streets or witnessing the people and saying, see, to be honest with you, I don't want anything to do religion. Well, neither do we. Neither do we. It's life. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the second point here, this leads us on, and that death, the self, leads us on to John 12 and 24. If you turn over, this is a well-known verse, of course. Many of us would know it, but John 12 and 24, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 12 and 24. So this second point, planted, and then there's a death to ourselves. John 12 and 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, what happens? It bringeth forth 
was it say much fruit? Is that your desire? Is your desire to bring forth much fruit? Remember, herein is your Father glorified. What? That we bear much fruit. This is the purpose of God for every Christian in this room. If you're not saved in this room, you're not walking with the Lord, the first thing is that you're transplanted and you're planted in good soil by great waters. But we've got to understand, to be a disciple, to be a follower of the Lord, we'll come more to it next week, to be a follower of the Lord, there's first a denial of self. There's a denial of self. There's a taking up of the cross. So there's a death, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone. And here's the promise. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. You want to be fruitful? Praise the Lord. Does every believer want to be fruitful? That's the desire of our hearts, to be fruitful for the Lord. Now there's two parts to death. Paul brings this out to us in Romans 6 and 11. And also 1 Corinthians 15 and 31. Just look at Romans 6 and 11. And this is the, the, the part where we're planted together in the likeness of his death. Romans 6 and 11, this is what we understand. When we were saved, and we were planted with him together in the likeness of his death. This is what Paul says in Romans 6 and 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have to reckon yourself to be dead. The old man, the old Tim, the old ways, the old life, everything of what we used to be, thank God if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Here is the reality of the new birth, and it's important. I'm going to keep stressing this. A man must be born again to live the life that Christ has called him to live. Otherwise, it's religion. And, and our country has a lot of religion. Men that may be good morally, may have certain standards, may live by the practice of this. But friends, in the end, it's a branch without fruit. It may have even leaves as a coat to cover, but there's no fruit. We want to see the reality and live in the reality of the purposes of God. We see here that we're reckoned to be dead. In other words, I died with Jesus Christ on the cross. I died with him. He died my death, but I died with him. Everything of that old died. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So the old life must, there must be a change. There has to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to put a hand up. And I'm not against putting your hand up in a meeting. It's not enough even just to say a prayer. There has to be an experience in the heart. It's supernatural. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a life that's lifted out of the depths of darkness and sin and shame and depravity and translated by the Holy Ghost and transplanted into the kingdom of God. It's a new life. It's not reformation. It's not rehabilitation. It's not becoming religious. It's simply by the power of the Holy Ghost. He puts new desires in my heart and in my life. The desire of God to live the life that he wants me to live. And so we see here there's a death to ourselves. We are reckoning ourselves to be dead. 
We're dead. If a man's dead, he's dead. He's simply dead. But then it says this, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the miracle of the new birth. This is the miracle of the Holy Ghost. This is what God does in the life. This is not religion. This is not turning over a new leaf. This is not reformation. This is not cleaning yourself up to try and come to church. Friends, this is the new birth. When a man or a woman is born again, we must reckon ourselves dead, but alive, but alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul not only says that we reckon ourselves dead, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, there's two parts to this. There's the aspect of when we are justified by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a death, and then there's the daily process of dying. And Paul says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said these three words, I die daily. So not only do we reckon ourselves to be dead, but then he said, every day I die. This wasn't just the, the natural man. This was a death to the self, to the self-life. This is what's going to bring forth much fruit. The death to everything of what I want, I desire, who I am, and alive to everything of who he is. What he wants, what he desires. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. So it's a daily cross. We have to take up our cross daily. It's not just getting a good feeling in one meeting, and that's good if we do, but it's every day we're going to die to ourselves and we're going to live for Christ. Galatians 2 and 20, Paul said these words. You'll know them very well. Galatians 2 and 20 and it's going to lead us on to just this third part of it. We're planted. There's the death to the old nature. This is important to come to understand and to live by the teachings of Christ. The death to the old nature. But Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. Now here's this is crucial. If I could if if I could encourage especially those that are maybe younger in the faith or have been struggling in their faith maybe over many years and just want to get rooted and go deeper, this is absolutely crucial, this verse. We're talking about death to self. We're talking about living for the Lord, alive to him. But how are we going to do this? How, how are we actually, how does this work out in everyday life? This verse is crucial to it. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. Is Christ living in you? Is Christ in your heart? Is Christ in your life? Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Are you born of the Spirit of God? It's Christ that lives in you. And the life which I now live in the flesh. In other words, everything, every day, the life that I live in this body, this is crucial. If you just pick up these next few words, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, I want to encourage, a lot of people will know this verse very well, but I just want to encourage those that maybe battle 
or maybe are weak in faith, or maybe newly saved, you're going to live this life by the faith of the Son of God. Now that changes a whole lot of our perspective. Often we think we're going to live this life by our faith, but here Paul says we're going to live it by the faith of the Son of God. It's not what we have done, it's what He's done. This is really crucial. If we are trusting in our own effort, our efforts fail. Anyone say amen? Our own strength. What does the arm of flesh do? Fails us. What did Jesus say? Without me you can do? Absolutely not. It leads us all bankrupt. We're all in the same boat, by the way. We're all in the same boat. But here we find out the secret to this life. I die to myself. I'm planted in good soil. Every believer in this room, I want to encourage you, listen to me from whoever you, whatever you feel about yourself, right? And sometimes people will say, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a way up there, or I couldn't stand up there, or I couldn't. You know what all that is? I just want to be very kind. That's all the flesh. That's just simply all the flesh. Listen very carefully. We die to ourselves. We're transplanted. We're transplanted first. We die to ourselves and the potential for every believer in this room, from the youngest believer, for young Isaac or young Joshua, whoever we are, young or old, they live this life not by their own strength, but they live this life by the faith of the Son of God. What that encourages me to tell you tonight is this, the potential you have in God, the potential you have in God. Now, don't don't start saying, oh, that could never be me. That's the flesh. You need to die to that. God's got an amazing purpose and a wonderful plan for every life in this room to be fruitful. You may not have all the talents or the giftings as someone else may have or may not have, but it's fruit that he's going to be looking for. It's fruit that he's looking for. And so he says, we're going to live this by the faith of the Son of God. Let me encourage you who love me, who love me, and he loves you and gave himself for me. Just a few verses back then. Looking at this here, the third part is this. Faith is for life and for fruitfulness. So we're, we are planted. There's a death. But we need a faith. We, we need a faith in this. If it's just, I'm dead. And we, we just intellectually say, I'm dead. <laughs> And we live a dead. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus has come to give us life. And so when there's a death to ourselves, but there has to be a faith in that. If we don't mix that crucified life with a faith in his life, then friends, we'll walk around and we'll be the most miserable people on this planet. And everyone will say, who wants to be a Christian? There has to be a faith that there's a life that he wants to work that life in us and through us and fill us with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Galatians 2 and 16, Paul writes just a few verses before 2 and 20, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, if we are trusting at all 
in anything of what we do, even if it seems that it's religiously good or it seems in the outward, I'm trusting in, in my meeting attendance. I'm trusting in how long I prayed. I'm trusting in how many verses I've read. I'm trusting in how many books I've read and how many testimonies I've listened to, what I know all about eschatology. I'm trusting what's going to happen in the end times. I know it all. Brothers and sisters, if we're trusting in the works of a man, then we're not going to be justified. But if we are solely trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope is in the Lord and in him alone. And so our faith is the faith of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 and 17, if you turn over. Romans 1 and 17. This simply tells us how we are to live. How we are to live. And you know what I love about these verses? It's absolutely nothing to do with our intellectual ability, nothing to do with whether we have passed our 11 plus or we didn't pass the 11 plus, nothing to do with the letters after our name. Every person in this room can believe, can believe. It says Romans 1 and 17, for therein is the righteous of God, righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as, is, as it is written, would you read it with me, that one we phrase, the just shall live by faith. We need to have faith. We're planted. We're dead to ourselves, alive to God, and it's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his faith to live this life. The core of all of this, and this is this last point and we'll finish for tonight, but the core, do you know what this is all to do with? This is really, really, this comes down to one thing. It's in John 14 and 15. And this is simply all to do with love. This is really what it's about. It's love. In John 14 and 15, Jesus said these words, John 14 and 15. This is all to do with love. Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. What a statement. Now we know from 1 John 4 and 10 it says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. When you're saved and drawn to Calvary by the love of God and the love of Christ touches our lives, and the Holy Ghost sheds abroad in our hearts this love. Jesus said, this is what it's all about. This is really where, it's, this is where it comes to, friend. If you love me, Jesus said these words, if you love me. This is really the core of it all. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Commandment is a charge or an instruction. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if our desire, because of a love for Jesus, is to keep his commandments, then verse 16 is crucial to this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. 
that he may abide with you forever. Do you see the connection here? Sometimes we'll take one verse out, just read that, leave it sitting. But look at this. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If your desire tonight in your heart, do you love the Lord? Do you love him tonight? Brothers and sisters, do you love Jesus? Do you love the Lord? He says, keep my instructions, my teachings, my commandments. And here's how we do it. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, the Holy Ghost. This is how we're going to do it. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own outward strength. We need the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world can't receive him, but you can, I can, because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know you know him, for he dwelleth with you. And here's the wonderful promise, and he shall be in you. He's going to be in you. Ephesians 5 and 1 said these words, be ye therefore, Ephesians 5 and, and verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. Walk in love. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Let me ask you, friend, do you love the Lord? This is the core. Before we come to these great verses, the teachings of Christ, the instructions of how to live, the very essence of everything of what we are to be as Christians, the core of all of this is, do you love him? Has the love of God reached you? Has he reached into your life? Have you felt the love of Calvary? Do you know the love of Christ? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Be you followers of the Lord as dear children. Walk in love. Paul said that to the church at Ephesus. It's about 40 years later that the Lord walked in the midst of Ephesus and brought a letter to the messenger of that church, commended them in many great things and many great works, but said, I have something against you. You've left your first love. Do we love him? So not out of fear, not out of being afraid of God or, or afraid of missing something, but out of a desire and out of a love for the Lord, we're going to look at his teachings and the life that he wants us to live, the life that he wants us to live. This is the reality. In the end, friends, this is what we are. This is the very essence of who we are as Christians, followers of Jesus. And as we come to it, we've got to know we're planted. We've got to know there's great waters. We've got to know our supply is Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. We've got to know there's a death to our old natures and a dying to self. We have to have a faith. 
But you know what this is all about? It's because we love him. So we want to live for him. We want to live the way he wants us to live. If that's your desire, no matter who you are, if that's your desire tonight, the potential for you, the potential for me, is to be Christians that bear much fruit. And that's how God's glorified, to be fruitful. This cuts into everything of what we are. You know, I thought Pastor Peter there brought it across so wonderfully about that altar, about Calvary, that that altar is measured to the size of every individual in this room. I have an altar, and that altar is the same size as me. If you're a bit smaller, your altar is that size. But there's room enough for me on that altar to die to everything of what I am, that he might live through this life. This world is waiting to see disciples, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, men and women that have been with Jesus because they see Christ in them. May we be that people because we love him and we desire to live for him. Let's pray together.